I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Dare I say the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire Podcast Network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports with, shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 91, recording on January 25th, 2023. NFL Divisional Round Review, NFL conference championships preview we've also got the nfl awards finalists to go over top three in everything but the mvp where we have a top five to look at and then um just came down this week that scott Rowland, former cardinal uh is now a hall of famer so we'll talk about that as well all right let's get right into it we got a lot to talk about as always i'm your host jeff roman alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who switched its pick to jacksonville plus the points after the last <laughs> pod Tim Reinhardt, welcome, Tim. So that doesn't it doesn't count. Um, yeah, but that's hey, that's that's what happens, you know. And uh, I I want one of the things I wanted to talk to you slight like shift away from this. You texted me something a couple weeks ago about like um, how if you are going to <clears throat> uh, bet a game, it sometimes is better to do that earlier in the week um, when the line comes out before the. What do we call them? The sharp betters, uh, the sharps, uh, hammer the line in one way or another. And um, the look at that Kansas City Bengals line. Well, the, the, this is let's talk about it first at, off the top because I find this actually quite interesting. Is that because um, it all hinges on one thing, and we can we can circle back. But um, the the game opened up. Uh, Kansas City minus three. Um, so Bengals were plus a, a field goal. Then it moved. It must have all immediately the way down moved to, to one. I, almost I almost immediately moved. Yeah, so almost immediately moved to as high as um, Cincinnati two and a half. So Cincinnati was was favored by two and a half, and now it's coming back down again. Right, and now it's. Cincinnati favored by one. So this one, I mean, at two and a half, you got to think somebody thought that Chad Henney was going to start this game. Is that what your thought of it? Well, was? so I guess I never saw it at chiefs minus, um, minus three, the, um, after that Buffalo game, when I went on like the ESPN app, I saw it at, um, KC minus one and a half, but mm -hmm. then yet, then like just again, poking around the ESPN app, saw it um, move to what you just said, the favoring of uh, Cincy. I, I guess like it had to have been about Mahomes because it, 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 it's not about, I don't think it's about um, the Bengals per se. I, th I think it's about the health of Mahomes. Is that your yeah, take? Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's there's three states that you could give. Um maybe let's let's play the quiz game for you. Okay. Um what would you make the the line if it's Chad Henney? 
in Kansas City, I would make it. Honestly, I'd make it a pick em. The guy got in there after not having thrown a yeah. pass in weeks and drove him 98 yards down the field for a touchdown. Like, well, and you rem- if you remember that in the AFC Championship game against the Browns, I think two years ago, he came in ice cold on a fourth down and threw an absolute bullet for a first down and then left the game, never came back in. Like he like saved the game for them. Yeah, I, I remember so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's, you know, uh, fully equipped to come in and, and, uh, firing on all cylinders. Obviously it's easier when you can just throw it to Travis Kelsey all the time. And, uh, Chad Henney did have one that was almost picked on his fourth, uh, fourth play on that long drive. Right. But, you know, um, results are results. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I get, I think, yeah, I think you're right, but I think it probably would be uh, Cincinnati favored by maybe not two, but maybe, or, I mean, not three, but maybe yeah, one, maybe two, one, one and a half, like two points, yeah. I guess. Um, so what would your, what would it be if Mahomes is at full strength? Um, if Mahomes is at full strength, it's Kansas City four and a half. Yeah, I, th- I think it's got to be above three. Something Kansas City, something above three. And then I th- so we're we're probably settling in here somewhere in the range of Mahomes playing, but Mahomes less than 100%. That's what right? it looks So depending like, yeah. on how much percent you think he is, it's going to end up pick or one on either side. I still think it, it's going to come down over onto Kansas City. I think before the end of the really interesting. before the end of the well, week, it's going to come you know the all the the videos leak from the first practice. He warmed up. Right. He practiced. Uh, I think I think he was limited, but um, I guess I d- didn't. I'm just assuming that I didn't see a report. Um, but yeah, I think as as the reporters start to report what he looks like at practice and how many reps he's you know all the all the stuff that you usually hear, it's only going to be magnified mm-hmm. now because it's only two games. So everybody's going to be paying attention to that. And yeah, I, I do think this settles back in at Kansas city as the favorite or yeah. at least a pick. Yeah. I think Kansas city is going to end up, I probably won't get to a full three, but it'll be Kansas city. Um, you know, two and a half. I think, you know, if, you know, and we talked about this, not to, not to go so hard on the, uh, the gambling lines here, but I find it, interesting because they are a reflection of the market sentiment on Mahomes and Mahomes is Mahomes health and Mahomes availability is like the biggest story in sports this week, I think. Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, you know, Cincinnati was, was uh, obviously favored by two and a half at some point. So you could do a six point teaser and have put Kansas city in it at up to eight yeah. and a half. And then maybe by the end of the week, you could also go on the other end and have uh, Cincinnati by eight and a half as well. Um, it's a wild, that would um, be, yeah, it's a, it's a wild swing. Even like, I, I just think it's interesting to talk about, like take the gambling aspect out of it. Like, and it's just a, an interesting mathematical science, like mm-hmm. these, uh, how these things move. And it's all, it's like a bizarre study in, not supply and demand, but like almost that, like, it's just interesting to a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, there's so many different sports books and they all take different business. And so 
but they are also linked because they look and see, they don't want to be off of the market as well. Right, so they are far, linked, yeah. not too far, but they're also not because they want to, they want to have, you know, protect their own business. If they take a big bet on one side, they are not going to push it as far as some other people are. So it's really interesting to me to see where these, where these things go. And especially with this, like, it's very obvious. Like last week we talked about, Cincinnati, a lot of people were thinking about the Cincinnati offensive line. So that that was pushing Cincinnati up, 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 you know, uh, their number plus three, plus four, plus five towards the end of the week. Um, and this one has fluctuated on either side. Uh, and it seems like it's coming now back down um, and maybe, uh, you know, bigger money at, at the end of the week will start coming in on Kansas City. Right. And push that up uh, towards Kansas City. Um, all right, so let's talk about the games last week, and uh, we'll start with that. Let's start with that Kansas City game. We touched on it a little bit. Um, Jacksonville, Kansas City. Kansas City wins 27-20. Obviously, um, Mahomes got hurt early on. One of the kind of fascinating things to me about this game was the subplot of Mahomes on the sidelines where yeah. <laughs> uh, he went out initially, and then he, he sat on the, the bench to get his – foot wrapped and then nobody really came over to him right yeah, away. When there's a 30 second timeout. Right so they just ran back on the field. We <laughs> ran right out of the field and then like kind of hobbled around on one leg uh, until the, you know, I, I forget the end of the drive or they kicked the field goal or something. Yeah. Um, and then they wouldn't let him back in the game. And uh, you know, you know, he's like yelling, I'm yeah. not coming out and, and through his jacket, you know, the whole thing through his jacket. Andy Reid is like, you're out of here. Like had to go to the locker room to get, I mean, they probably had to get some imaging to make sure he didn't break his leg or something. I don't know. Um, that and probably but, like maybe there's a, a, a either like a brace or a tape job that they can do in the right. trainer's room that they can't do on the sideline. And it's like, we're not going to risk putting you back in the game to make this worse. And, you know, it's it's I, I saw that as one of those moments where it's like you got to protect the player from themselves. Like right. he's going to want to go out there and and perform um and you as the coach have to be knowledgeable enough to be like all right that's not the best for us that's not the best for you so right get in there and go get it looked at right and then he came he came out and stood on the sidelines for the rest of the first half and then after halftime came out and played and obviously it didn't look a hundred percent but looked certainly looked yeah, better than the he wasn't moving the first half wasn't moving the same yeah. way um yeah and you know uh definitely became a bit more of a pocket passer, um, which I guess I'm surprised that I don't know what the numbers were on, on how much they blitzed Mahomes or how much pressure they were able to put on him. But I'm surprised that the game could not, I mean, it, it was a seven point game. It did become a one possession game. It really wasn't. It was a, right. that was, this was a two yep. possession game. That was a, you know, uh, garbage, not really garbage time per se, but like it was a garbage time. Cover. Yeah, backdoor yep. field goal at the end. Um, yep. Surprised it didn't get get closer. Um, I guess there was that. Um, was it that game where there was an interception? Um, um, all my football games are running together. Where there the yeah the um, Jags threw an interception going into the end zone. Uh yeah, it was a fumble. The fumble by uh, that's right. Um, Agnew wasn't a yep. wasn't a, it was a turn. It was a fumble. 
Um, yeah. And that was, you know, that that sort of set them back because they had driven the length of the field there um, yeah. and could have made it made it closer. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, that was the absolute backbreaker because Agnew had done had such a great return and couldn't beat the kicker. And then he and then he fumbled it there on like the three yard line. Um that was pretty much, you know, they needed they Jacksonville even with Mahomes' injury needed more things to go their way, and you know they had that dropped interception on Henny, and they had the, um, you know that that fumble inside the red zone there. So those those things just didn't go their way, and they could, <laughs> can't quite overcome it like they overcame it against um, against the Chargers. It doesn't quite work quite as well as that. All right, so the next game in the list was Saturday's night's game. Maybe not a lot to talk about here. Uh, Eagles turned the Giants into mincemeat 38-7. This one was really not that close. Did you have any uh, any takeaways other uh, other than the gulf between the Eagles and Giants? Yeah, I mean, we, we got we got that one wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did. We thought, we thought the Giants would put up a bit uh, more of a fight and just didn't happen. And, you know, I guess like... I look back at that going forward on fourth and eight in the um, what do you call it in the first quarter? I think on the second drive yep. and yep. I don't. At first, I was like, "All right, yeah, like you're going for it." And then, then I thought about it. I was like, "Does that signal like desperation uh, to your team?" And then they were kind of flat just the rest of the way and uh, really didn't have um, didn't have much of a much of anything and to the point where. Like even they're, they're scoring touchdowns. They couldn't even stop them uh, when the Eagles were trying to run out the clock with um, right with two minutes to go. So yeah, that garbage time touchdown to make it even worse. Yeah, we. I mean, yeah, we definitely got this one wrong. I, th- I felt like a divisional matchup was going to be closer than this, but um, Eagles were able to pretty much have their dream scenario, which is where they can run the ball. And, and and if they can run the ball and the other team can't stop them, that pretty much puts them on the front foot no matter what. Um, the biggest storyline, similar to the Mahomes storyline, is how healthy Hurts is. Um, he looked a little more healthy, I would say. It did seem like he did make a few business decisions later in the game right. where he would just slide down um, if he was about to get hit later. But, you know, they were up 21 points or something at that point. So I, I think it makes sense that he wasn't slamming himself into contact there. No but need to push it. Yeah. When 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 they did need him to run for it early on, he did run for it. So um, that looks pretty uh, beneficial. And honestly, they didn't have to take it out of first gear. I, I, I'm not I don't drive manual transmission, but <laughs> they didn't really have to take it out of first gear. So I felt like they, didn't they have to take are going to neutral. Still- they didn't have to, they, they're still pretty rested, I think, um, as well going into the next week. So, uh, you know, I think that also gives them an advantage as well. Uh, right. On to Sunday, uh, the pretty much, I mean, the game that everybody was looking forward to, which is Bengals and Bills uh, in Buffalo. This one ended up 27 to 10 Bengals in the snow. It really wasn't even that close. Um, speaking of not getting out of neutral, the Bills did not get out of neutral. Uh, yeah. Only putting up ten points in this one. The the Bengals just kind of did what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it, and probably should have had even more points, depending on whether you think that's a catch or not. 
Burrow missed the wide open tight end uh, for a touchdown. Um, It it really just was an absolute uh, dismantling of the Bills. Yeah, and one thing I I thought about, and and I guess I heard about this later probably, but the the offensive line woes for Cincinnati uh, were made a little bit easier in the snow. Um, obviously, and the Bengals decided to run the ball, which they haven't done much well this year, which put their offensive linemen on the front foot and allowed them to kind of push the uh, push the snowplow around and uh, and open up holes for Joe Mixon, which hasn't happened much at all this year. So that was a, um, I think, a good game plan by Zach uh, Taylor, and uh, I wonder if those offensive line problems may come more into the fore this week in less of a snow game. Um, yeah. It, I mean, I don't know. Or did they just scheme it up really well? It, it, it's going to be interesting to, interesting to see. Yeah. And one, you know, one of the things that I also think about is when you think about, Oh, you know, they have five offensive linemen that are hurt or whatever. I think we have a good grasp on for each team, the differences between their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback. But like, I have no idea how good Cincinnati's backup offensive lineman could be. Yeah, like they could be just, you know, slightly behind their starters, or you know, or they could be a huge gulf behind the starters. I don't know. Like, I don't. You don't see these guys. Like, I'm not scouting preseason games and and seeing you know seeing how these backup offensive linemen yeah. fit together. So I think we hear that they're down offensive linemen, but we don't know what those strengths of the guys that are coming in. Maybe they're better run blockers than the other guys. I don't, you know, I don't know. So there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into that equation and uh, they'll have another shot at it this week against Kansas city. All right. So the, the nightcap was uh, Cowboys 49ers in a little bit of a strange game, a strange game. 49ers won 19 to 12. There was, you know, fast forwarding to the end of the game. There was certainly a lot of uh, time mistakes that didn't come back and haunt the 49ers, but kind of haunted the Cowboys. What did you think of the overall? Uh, yeah, game? the time management stuff was bizarre. Like you almost were like wanted them to call a timeout just so they could punt it. Uh, wasted a lot of time there. The final play's got to be one of the weirdest things you've ever seen. Not that, that necessarily mattered. Um, you know, the 49ers looked like they had some trouble. Uh, you know, I, I think they had just under 300 yards of total offense, if I remember right. Um, yep. So it's not like they put on a clinic, but uh, they did move the football there in the fourth quarter, whether it was because they warmed down or what. But um, Brock Purdy made enough plays and didn't make um, – the mistakes that Dak made. And I, you know, there was a, I think there was a dropped interception there somewhere, but um, yeah, the, the run game really started to get going for the 49ers toward the end. And th- I think that's something that like is that they seem to have the ability to just wear down their opponents. Um, and, you know, they were, they were, I think they were losing or no, it's tied, excuse me, going into the fourth quarter and they, they yep. pulled away. So, um, you know, give them credit, Brock Purdy credit, the uh, offensive scheme. Like I think they're going to be tough to beat. 
I think their defense is really good. And like, they just, I think they scheme very, very well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that if you're looking at the top line, we always talk about quarterbacks, right? Dak Prescott made, uh, you know, two bad interceptions and one dropped interception. Brock Purdy did have one dropped interception as well, but you know, Dak Prescott made a significant number of mistakes and Purdy wasn't great. He definitely looked flustered. Um, it's a good defensive line, certainly for, for Dallas and a good set of cornerbacks. So not, not surprising that he was flustered. Um, best defense certainly that he's faced, uh, so far this year. Uh, but I think it, I think it came down to the mistakes. Honestly, the short fields uh, set up, you know, easy field goals for the 49ers that got them going when their offense wasn't moving the ball. And Tony Pollard's injury, I think, as well was huge. Uh, yeah, that because, that changed the dynamic of the offense. Yeah, it changed the dynamic of Dallas's offense. And uh, other than CD Lamb, they really didn't have anybody who could take the top off the the 49ers defense so they're we're pretty much their linebackers were sitting on the short stuff and you know cd lamb had had a really good game but other than that they they kept them from running the ball they kept them from throwing it deep like it was just really a a, a good defensive performance and a very bad performance by uh dak prescott i mean i think those two things combined are not going to win you very many games. I thought the last play was, as I texted you, I was kind of disappointed, but it was also kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to see what they had drawn up. I'm glad I was, um, I'm always happy to see when teams have something that they're like, they're going to do something. Like we know that they have something that they drew up, even if they just did it in walkthroughs or whatever, they're going to try to throw it around with a plan. Um, and I was looking forward to seeing that, but uh, yeah, did not come to fruition. I had even texted you like it's kind of kind of smart. Like put your playmakers on the field. Like who needs five offensive linemen um, for that play? And then clearly, I, I would like to think that whatever the play was supposed to be, that wasn't it. So <laughs> you know, like right. well, that, was, that certainly wasn't all of it. I think the you throw to that guy, and then he pitches back, and he pitches back to. Zeke or Dak, and then they throw it to the edge or something. Right. I don't know. There's, there's a, there was certainly a incomplete <laughs> on that play. Yeah. It, it uh, because not... the 49ers smashed uh, Zeke and also made a tackle so quickly that he didn't even have time to flip it back. Right. So, so the, you know, if, if the plan was to somehow like have it be like a hook and lateral to yeah. Elliot, you know, well, that got taken out when he got just absolutely dominated on the offensive line. <laughs> Right. So. Yeah, I think yeah that didn't work. I I think it probably would have gone to one of the edges where they had uh you know some blockers out in front. So I, I don't know what it was going to be. I was disappointed that we didn't get to see the whole yeah. thing, but at least it was kind of hilarious um, how it ended. Another very poor ending to a playoff game uh, for the Dallas Cowboys uh, against the Forty ers So uh, that one is. Uh, going to leave a sour taste probably in the Cowboys fans mouth, but um, it won't for the 49ers. So anything else on this weekend before we move to next weekend? No, think this that, weekend, no. Upcoming weekend. I think that's it. All right. All right. So on Sunday, both games on Sunday, the first game is at three o'clock Eastern. We've got the 49ers at the Eagles. Eagles are 
favored by two and a half here. It looks like if I'm looking right. Uh, yeah, Eagles are favored by two and a half here. So, Ooh, boy, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I think this should be a good game, um, <clears throat> and we'll learn a lot about just how good Brock Purdy is. I, I don't know if the Eagles have as good a defense as the Cowboys, but they have a very good defense. And uh, if he's able to play the consistent kind of football that he played last week, I, I think the 49ers have a chance to do the same thing they did last week, which is keep this game close for three quarters. And then in the fourth, your your run game and your physicality is, is going to wear them down. So, my gut says take the 49ers in this one. Yeah, I think the Eagles' um, defensive uh, weakness is the running game. Um, they have a, a full complement of defensive linemen that can stop the run, but they never, they're pretty weak at linebacker. They haven't seemed like they've been able to stop the run all year. That's the strength of the 49ers with Samuel and Mitchell and McCaffrey yeah. and their strong offensive line. So I, I, I think the 49ers will be able to run the ball. The, the Eagles are more of a, uh, a team that thrives in a game where they can run the ball and they can get ahead and they can kind of dictate and have their, their, defensive line tee off and they've got Robert Quinn. They've got Hassan Reddick. They have sweat. They have, you know, uh, Hargrave. They have like two hockey lines worth of defensive yeah. linemen that can rush the passer. Um, but stopping the run has been a problem. So if the, if the 49ers keep this close with the line looks like they should, and I think they should as well. Um, the running game might be a problem for the Eagles here. Um, and on the other side of the field, the 49ers have a really good defense, really good linebackers. Um, I think the only weakness they might have is um, their corners with fast receivers. So Devonta Smith might have uh, a good game here uh, if he can get kind of an edge or behind some of their defenders. Uh, whereas Goddard and... AJ Brown, who kind of live in that slant area, mm-hmm. uh, might be in a little bit of trouble. So, and the 49ers probably have linebackers that can that can yeah. chase down Hurts. So how do the yeah how do they factor in for the mobile uh, mobility? I mean, I think they have Dre Greenlaw and they have Fred Warner at linebacker. Like yeah, one Fred of Warner both of them, ridiculous. Yeah, they like they can cover side to side. So they'll either, uh, play zone and those guys will run up and tackle or they'll, um, they'll shadow him. So either way, I think they have enough athletes to cover. Um, but I think the Eagles are hoping that having one or both of those guys pay attention to Hertz will open up something else, uh, whether it be the run game or whether it be throwing the ball deep and, uh, We'll see. The Eagles have a very good offensive line, so that Eagles offensive line against the Niners defensive line will be a really good, yeah. really good matchup. I think I, I'm having such a hard time picking these, but uh, living in Philadelphia, my heart is with the the Eagles here. Man, I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to go to the 49ers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. Um, Opposite. I'm going to do the the 
episode of Seinfeld where George Cassandra just does the opposite <laughs> because he feels like his initial instincts are, are have been bad enough yeah. that he's going to do the opposite. So I think I'm going to go with the 49ers here, just like you. Um, this one's close enough. I'm not going to be surprised either way, but uh, I'm hoping for a good, a good, exciting game. And uh, this one's probably going to be pretty, pretty rough and tumble, like classic NFC uh, rough and tumble event. So that'll be fun. Yeah, um, I feel like you're picking the same thing as me, just so I don't pass you in our picks. <laughs> <laughs> it's called playing defense, Tim. It's defense, purely defense. Yeah. Um, all right, so maybe you should pick the next game first. Okay, I'll, so go, we don't, I'll, yeah, uh, I'll go first. I'll go first, yeah. So um, so the next one is at 6.30 p.m. That's the Bengals-Chiefs. We talked about the line has fluctuated a little bit. It's Bengals at Chiefs. Um, expecting a little bit of flurryish weather, cold Kansas City evening. Um, the Bengals, obviously we talked about their possible questions on the offensive line. Joe Burrow looks like, um, I don't know, a number one stud. Like yeah. this might be the two best quarterbacks in the league, right? Going against each other. Yeah. And uh, Joe Burrow is just such, he's not a running quarterback like you'll see with with Hertz or even 100% Mahomes, but the way he operates the offense is uh, so efficient and so just like precise. And he's got so many good uh, weapons. Um, I think he will be able to score the the, it really comes down to Mahomes' health. Um, if he is capable of moving around enough, 80%, I don't know. So I'm going to pick the Bengals. Um, I know you're going to probably pick the Bengals, but uh, I'm still going to yes. pick the Bengals because uh, I'm going I'm going opposite day on myself. And because uh, I think Chiefs-Eagles is, is too much what I would do. So I'm yeah. going to do the opposite, which is 49ers Bengals. Go ahead. Um, I'm with you. I think, I think the Bengals are, I think they are the team to beat right now. Um, you, you're right to have some questions about what the offensive line is going to look like. Um, but I don't know. I think Joe Burrow is just, um, I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL and uh, he's got two fantastic receivers if they can somehow figure out how to manage um, Travis Kelsey, I think they um, they have a real good chance to win this game. So I'm going to pick the Bengals. Yeah, and the Bengals' defense has been improved um, since, certainly since last year. So I think uh, – I, I mean, I worry that Eli Apple's been running his mouth on Twitter as much as he has, but um, – Yeah, well, at least the, the wide receivers aren't the strength of the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, certainly that's changed since last year as well. Uh, so he won't get uh, matched up with Tyree Kill or, or, you know, I mean, he'll have a more like a Juju Smith-Schuster uh, assignment for most of the day. So that's that's a little bit better for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. So anything else, I guess, looking ahead here this week? No, I think that that is it. All right. So let's, let's stay with the NFL. Let's, let's do some, um, quick hits on the, the awards. Yes. Um, I'm interested in these because they are interesting markets, um, for, you know, we talked about markets for, you know, um, games, but we also have markets for who's going to win these awards, right? Um, so 
NFL announced the top finalists. They're going to announce them at the NFL honors the Thursday before right. the Super Bowl, I think. Um, so I'm going to go down the list. You give me who you think is going to win, and you give me who you think should win if it's different. So we're going to start at the bottom. Uh, Coach of the year. Uh, the finalists they initially announced have have since been uh, refined from five to three. Oh. So it's uh, Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, and Kyle Shanahan. I think Brian it's... Dable, Giants, Doug Peterson, Jags, Kyle Shanahan, 49ers. So it it's going to be Brian Dable. It should be Kyle Shanahan. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it is going to be Kyle Shanahan, actually. His team, you know, the way these things are voted on by humans yeah. and <laughs> uh, Nick Sirianni, if if it was, you know, uh, voted on like midseason, Nick Sirianni would have won, but it's not. It's voted on like, you know, week 17, week 18, and Kyle Shanahan did a good job with Brock Purdy. Yeah, got, went through three year. quarterbacks. and Yeah, so I, I, think, I think Shanahan actually will win. Um, I don't find any of those finalists to be – a bad choice. Um, I think Nick Sirianni certainly should have been in the top three, though, at the end there. Um, so that's a bit surprising he's not there. I'm not surprised he doesn't win, but I think he's definitely amongst the top three. Um, all right. So AP comeback player of the year. Uh, Saquon Barkley, Giants running back. Christian McCaffrey, 49ers running back. Geno Smith, Seahawks I think that's quarterback. Geno Smith. Um, yeah. And I think that's who it should be. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing to me about this one is that you know, Saquon Barkley, obviously devastating knee injury. Christian McCaffrey had an injury as well last year. Geno Smith really just came back from not playing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't have an injury, right? Um, and it's not really like the most improved player. Um, what is he coming back from? I don't know. Not being very good. So that would be the, my only thing against Geno Smith. But I understand that's not really how the voters vote for it. So I would probably go with Saquon Barkley if I was voting for it. I agree with you that uh, I, I, I don't know. This one's wide open. This one and coach are wide open. Uh, If I was smart, I would have had the, uh, would have had the odds up, but um, Saquon Barkley was the favorite for some of the year. And then it was, um, and then it was Geno Smith. And then that one kind of, stepped back a little bit i'm seeing if i can just talk for a few minutes and see if i can find where they are listing the awards and i'm not going to find them fast enough okay (laughs) so uh defensive rookie of the year yeah uh this one's pretty clear so it's sauce gardner aiden hutchinson and terry woolen as the three finalists I think it should be sauce gardner i wouldn't be surprised if aiden hutchinson gets it um but I do think Sauce Gardner will get it. Yeah, it should be Sauce, and it is going to be Sauce. I think that one. I think that one's pretty much locked up. Um, th- this one's another kind of up in the air one. The offensive rookie of the year, Brock Purdy, is in the top three. Kenneth Walker, the third. Seahawks running back, and Garrett Wilson, the Jets wide receiver. I think it should be Garrett Wilson, and I think it will be Garrett Wilson. Okay. Yeah, the Brock Purdy inclusion in the top three is very interesting because he only played six games. Obviously he's a quarterback, right? This was a draft without a lot of quarterbacks Um, played well, came on just like Shanahan towards the end of the year when the voters are voting, right? Garrett Wilson obviously had a great year, certainly an office of rookie of the year 
year. I think it should be Wilson and it will be Purdy. Ooh, okay. I just think the power of the quarterback, the power of the narrative of Mr. Irrelevant is going to be too much. Yeah, it's a good narrative. It's a good story. Yeah. All right, so offensive player of the year. So the nominees are, this one has four. I thought it was three, but Tyree Kill, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. I think Jalen Hurts wins this, and I think he probably should win this. Interesting, interesting. I had Justin Jefferson kind of tagged for this um, for a while. Uh, The inclusion of Hurts here is interesting. Uh, Obviously, Hurts missed a couple games towards the end of the year. So I wonder if that, uh, no pun intended, hurts him yeah. a little bit. Um, and Justin Jefferson just had such a ridiculous year. I'm going to say I think it should be Justin Jefferson. I think it is going to be Justin Jefferson. That one's that one's interesting to me, though, because another thing where it's like a quarterback sneaking in there. Because usually offensive player of the year is like a wide receiver. I think it was like um, uh, Cooper Cup last year, for yeah. example, right? Um, so wide receiver, running back, you know, some other non, non-quarterback. non But it certainly could be a quarterback because Mahomes has gotten both the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year before. Um, so that's not out of the realm of possibility right. either. All right, so Defensive Player of the Year. We've got Nick Bosa from the 49ers, Chris Jones from the Chiefs, and Micah Parsons from the Cowboys. I think it's Bosa and it should be. Yeah, I think you're right. Bosa, Bosa on that one. Um, it was Parsons early on in the season, and Nick Bosa, just like the other 49ers candidates, <laughs> came on absolute, towards the end of the year. Yeah, absolute yeah. domination the last quarter of the season. All right, so let's talk about the most valuable player. They have five names. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. So... I, I, without the injury, I would have said it was Jalen Hurts. I still think he's got an outside shot. Uh, I mean, it's interesting that Joe Burrow is on this list, but not Offensive Player of the Year. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that Jefferson is on this list. Yeah, right? in the he's one, he's the only non-quarterback on this list. So it, it really doesn't excuse me feel like there is a clear and you know runaway here. I I guess. I just said that he was the best quarterback in the NFL, so I kind of have to stand by that and say it should be Joe Burrow. But something tells me that Patrick Mahomes is going to win. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to win. I I think I'm I think I'm on the should with Patrick Mahomes. He set the um, passing yards record, obviously in 18 games, but led in touchdowns, led in passing yards. Yeah, number one seed in the AFC. Um, so I think it will be Mahomes and. I think it should be Mahomes probably just based on statistical year that he yeah. had. Joe Burrow is certainly playing great now and maybe the best quarterback amongst them. Um, but has, you know, struggled a little bit at some points this year. Didn't quite put up the numbers that Mahomes put up. Right. All right. So we've got that one unlocked down. Uh, right. Let me look at my rundown here. All right. So I guess the last thing that we're talking about before we get out of here is Scott Rowland making the Hall of Fame. Uh, only player to be inducted. Again, obviously, the Baseball Hall of Fame tomfoolery that there always mm-hmm. is. The writers, baseball writers are kind of the most high horse writers in the entire world. Um, and 
you know, making a big deal out of their votes and there's so many votes and it's just ridiculous. Um, let the people in. It's a Hall of Fame for historical purposes. Anyway, Scott Rowland, a uh, great player, part of the MV3 for the 2004 St. Louis Cardinals. So I'll never forget mm-hmm. that run. Best best baseball team I've ever watched. In 2004, my life. yeah. Um, and uh, I think a deserving Hall of Famer. So I saw something that he, I, I think like that, the highest he ever finished in MVP voting was 13th. Um, he, you know, never had that absolutely dominant offensive season. Um, but let's not, he was, can't forget, he was the best third baseman defensively in baseball for over a decade. Um, it was an absolute vacuum over there. And I, I agree that, you know, he doesn't have 500 home runs or anything like that. The, like the, the typical checkoff of, um, of Hall of Fame or 3000 hits, you know, uh, doesn't have those things, those check boxes checked, but he was, in my opinion, by far for the entire two thousands, pretty much. Um, the best defensive third baseman in baseball. It was it was cool to watch. Yeah, I, I I just remember that anytime a ball would be hit over to him, the camera would pan and like it was just like it would just stick to him, and he would just throw it on a, a like a rope Later, straight yeah. across. Like there was no like arc to it at all. It was just straight, and it would always go right to the right to the first baseman's glove every time. The ball would just hit his hit his glove and he'd throw it right across like it was just it was just kind of strange to see because it was almost like it was hitting a wall but like not a wall that it bounced off bounced off of because the camera would pan so quick and it would just be over and done with um i loved watching him play it looked like he did get M- the fourth uh fourth place in mvp in 2004 on that mv3 team um so obviously all all three of those guys Got uh, got knocked down a little bit due to uh, oh, that's AL um, knocked down a little bit due to playing together. So Pujols was third in MVP, Roland fourth, Edmonds fifth in MVP. That so that year, that so. was maybe it was maybe the stat it was something on Twitter. Maybe it was that he finished above thirteenth only once. Yeah. Okay. Yep, that, that might have been that it. is right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. That is right. Um. Then that was that was the year. That was his certainly his best year. Um, looks like he's got like six, seven gold gloves, um, including age 35 year when he was with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, very good at defense before being good at defense was was cool um, before it was a thing. So, yeah, it was, was uh, it was. And, and there's something something um, again, unverified statistic on Twitter and this is certainly not what makes someone um admissible into the Hall of Fame is that he apparently um led the league in going first to third on singles and that the teams that he was on um also did that at a much higher clip than most teams or uh, other teams did 
And I think I, what I remember about Scott Rowland is he would, when he hit home runs, he would, there, there was no grandstand. He like, he ran okay. around the bases yeah. like <laughs> as fast as he could. Um, yeah. And, you know, the one game that I've been to in St. Louis was fortunate enough for him to hit a home run. And I remember he hit it out in left field and I tried to find him and he was already like at second base. Um and it was just, uh, yeah. So like the hustle and like energy that he, the baseball savvy that he brought to the game was was really fun. Yeah, uh, he. Oh, I do remember that about his base running. That it was a very aggressive brand of base running, um, and you could see, you know, Albert Pujols is a pretty young, still a pretty young player at that point. You could see how that kind of got into Influenced Albert Pujols' yeah. aggressive base running um even as he got older would still be very aggressive on the base pass taking the extra base and stuff like that so um yeah absolutely that that does track with with my memory as well um don't have the stats up so i'm not going to stat check that person but that does that does uh make sense to me so um that's it that's all we got we did it um, we got we got conference championship games coming up um you know Golf is is teeing off. Um, people like that. Australian Open is going on. Yep. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but we're definitely going to keep our eyes glued to the conference championship Sunday, and keep our ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. And we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Do you follow any of that like Rory McIlroy? I, I kept seeing it. And it was like something. Threw a tea at McElroy and then they're mad at each other. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of drama. It's not the way it gets said. Like he threw a tea at him makes it seem like it's a little bit more aggressive than it was. He, uh, I guess McElroy sort of snubbed him on the driving range, and as he was walking away, Patrick Reed like just kind of flipped the tee in his direction. So uh, it, it, you know, not as like, I saw someone say like the equivalent of being thrown at. And, in a baseball game. It's the golf that goes on in but uh, it didn't look that aggressive, but uh, it seems like there's no love lost there.